Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 229 on Tuesday the 15th of January 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we haven't scoffed at experts, and in fact we positively applaud facts and knowledge, we'll be talking about, yes you guessed it, some courtroom events. We'll also be discussing the sad news of job losses. And we have a look at something small that has sparked joy amongst the car lovers. But first, straight into follow-up. Let's get this out the way. Dieselgate. And in an eyebrow-raising move, Volkswagen Group are now going to seek damages from former managers, apparently, for their roles in the diesel emission scandals. <laughs> I mean, come on, we really know that this is a case of Volkswagen saying, well, look, it wasn't us corporately, it was just these bad actors. Quite. To the point where the, well, the person who was... It was suggested at the time was the sacrificial lamb, otherwise known mm. as Oliver Schmidt. They're actually going to, they are apparently going to try and claw back some of the four million euros they paid for his defence. Unbelievable. <laughs> Which I I would love to see that go to court, actually, just to see if they could make that happen or if it could turn around and go, no, 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 no. You cannot abdicate responsibility from this at all. No way. Yeah. I, I And I don't know. I don't think that that would stick in either. I mean, it, it, as, as of course, an expert in uh, German and, and US legal systems. I, I just, but, you know, I, I just don't really think that would stick. Yeah. I, I don't understand how, where they're coming from. Unless they are going to stand by the, it was these lone small group of mm. bad actors story and you sort of go well ah. yes obviously it's nothing to do with the poor people on the sh- on the shop floor but no you can't you know they are acting on your behalf as a company and that's yeah. you know that's what you employed them for and if you didn't spot it then that's your own fault for not having the right systems in place yeah i would agreed suggest <laughs> Right, let's move on, though. It's still diesel though, Alan. Oh, still Dieselgate, but this... Well, still Dieselish, but this time it's FCA, uh, who have agreed to pay $800 million to settle claims from the US Justice Department and the state of California, uh, relating to allegations that it used illegal software to produce false results on diesel emissions tests. It includes $311 million in civil penalties, $280 million to resolve claims from owners and a hundred million dollars uh, for extended warranties. So just lots, but all the same, Fiat Chrysler did not admit any wrongdoing. So let's just make sure that's clear. Yes. But did you see the quotes from further down in this? There are quite a few quotes further down in this. Yes. There was, I think it was the ones where, hang on, I'm just trying to find it. Yes, this is from Principal Deputy Associate Attorney General Jesse Panuccio. Yeah, Panuccio, I imagine. Oh, Panuccio, yeah. sorry, thank you. Fiat Chrysler, this is a direct quote, by the way, before FCA's lawyers tool up. <laughs> Fiat Chrysler broke those laws, and this case demonstrates that steep penalties await corporations that engage in such egregious... Egregious. Yes, that too. Sorry. Violations. I knew I was going to get that word wrong. <laughs> violations so as far as some of these people are saying it's well no you're guilty you just paid us off before we took you fully through court 
Uh, and another yeah. interesting fact with this, California got in on the back of this because they submitted the the night before this settlement was agreed. Mm-hmm. So that's how California are involved in this as well. Yeah, CARB will receive $78.4 million as part of the settlement. So, yes. Mm. Yes. yes. But related to that, there is uh, Bosch uh, has agreed to pay... They've also settled in the US $131 million over the fact that they were supposed to be involved in helping helping FCA... Basically cheat. Yes. Cheat. Yes. Helping FCA cheat, Andrew. Yes. Uh, but in Bosch's statement, they said that it neither accepted liability nor admits any allegations, but agreed to the settlement uh, to avoid lengthy and costly proceedings. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a case of... And possibly this is the same with FCA. Look, it's cheaper to just make it go away by paying up. Yeah. Um, Which I I could, you know, despite what I've just said, uh, I can see that there as well. Yeah. Now we move away from engines and software. Yeah. uh, uh, Away from Dieselgate and on towards towards the the fun that's happening with Nissan in Japan. Carlos Ghosn's latest, well, his latest bail application has been rejected but before that because my stories are up here in the wrong order now no they're not in the wrong order i thought they were in the wrong order i'm a professional me so his latest bail application uh has been has been rejected he has appealed against still being detained and that's 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 failed as well nobody's giving a reason why he's not he's he why the bail has been denied but the hearing the other week, his the the court cited concerns that he was going to flee or was going to try and tamper with evidence, as we mentioned last week. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he remains in jail in Japan. But immediately when they found out that he hadn't won his appeal on the being released from jail, the lawyers have appealed to a higher court. Um, mm. We don't know where that is now. Um, that we're going through the process and with the bail side of things they appealed straight away on that to find out or they just appealed straight away so they'll probably get a reason in the next couple of days uh, as we sit and record this as to why it was refused and probably that it won't they won't win the appeal on the refusal but i think they've done the appeal to find out why as much as anything yeah quite uh the next one which is a follow-up from last week is we talked about jose munoz who was another one of the, the senior executives at uh, at Nissan and was reckoned to be well up until up until November the 19th was reckoned to be the the successor to Charles to, to Carlos Ghosn he was Nissan's chief performance officer and I say was uh, because prior to being to being away on on gardening leave but uh, further to being away on gardening leave even which we reported recently he has now elected to resign uh, other words that are being used so he is no 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 longer at he is no longer at, at nissan yep either but you know and sorry tied in with that he is now a person of interest in nissan's he was already though ever increasing yeah where well, they've come out and really been very explicit about it now mm-hmm. whereas before it was well that's what everybody knows unofficially they've officially said it now some people said that you know is this a coup i, I saw stories elsewhere were saying is this a coup and then um and people were saying well no his time was up he wasn't really much good as well so rather than saying that it was directly related to this other people are saying well actually 
it was probably for the out anyway. But who knows if that was actually the case or not. But on the coup side of things, there's still one more person who's going to go that is a little bit of interest to that st- that that angle. Uh, a little bit, because the, we're talking about, well, Andrew's hinting about uh, a chap uh, who's on the Nissan board at the minute called Tosh- Toshiyuki Shiga, who is planning not to seek re-election. Uh, what happens on the Nissan board is they serve two years, uh, and then they can be re-elected or they can stand down. He's decided to stand down. Uh, he's been a lifelong Nissan employee. He worked with Carlos Ghosn, served under Carlos Ghosn as vice chairman right the way through 2017, uh, well, through 2015 and 2017. So he's, he spent many years on the board, uh, and now he's stepping down uh, because, to, to quote him in this uh, Automotive News Europe story, I think it's time to make news, make room for the next generation. So it's been seen that maybe he doesn't really uh, agree with what's going on and... and but he was also seen as the only opposition to the chap who's CEO now, whose name I this can't remember. True. So, you know, for the whole worry that Nissan had that one person had all this power, they seem to be allowing all this power to be consolidated through one person. <laughs> From the outside, anyway. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite nuts. Mm. So I've just, I've just stolen one of your stories there, haven't I? It's okay. Uh, that means it's me again. Yes. Not good news. Not good news. So the end of the follow-up. We're into this week's news now, uh, folks, and, and, and new stuff. And unfortunately, uh, we're starting off the new stuff with the um, the news of the f- about 4,500 job losses as part of JLR's transformation plan. Yeah, which we we all heard earlier in the week. And, and for some of us, this really wasn't that much of a, a, a surprise because some of their suppliers had been warned that something like this might be happening uh, towards the end of last year. There was rumours before Christmas. There were strong rumours before Christmas. So strong, even we'd heard about them. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think we'd had a pretty... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. So, yes, they've confirmed those those 4,500 job cuts. They are... They'll be focused on management and administration... But all the locations uh, across the country will will see cuts. The CEO, Dr. Ralph uh, Speth, who who of course knows less about automotive manufacturing than Boris Johnson, according to Boris Johnson, he was saying in his announcement that that they're not talking about closing any plants at the moment. There's going to be a load of um, there's going to be quite a lot of of change at some of them. So things like uh, Hams Hall was an example that's in this autocar story that we'll link to, which is really quite long, will become a new battery assembly centre, uh, one of the, the biggest in, in the UK. The Wolverhampton powertrain plant are going to move towards constructing electric drive units. Uh, um, you know, So there's going to be lots of that kind of stuff uh, coming into play. I would imagine there's going to be a cut in the number of shifts and all that kind of thing as well. Yeah. Um, remember that whilst last year JLR were only down, were only down about one point five percent. Overall, they were down four point six, and China was just kicked it with twenty one point six percent reduction in in sales figures. So, um, so that's what's really hit them. They've just had com- 
the wrong strategy at the wrong time so far. Well, yes, this this was interesting to watch the reasoning that some of us armchair pundits were giving for this because the B word that we will not really mention too much, but it did come up and that was being given as a major reason. And it wasn't as simple as that. It wasn't as simple as, as consumer confidence or lack thereof that was the major factor is they they just didn't don't quite have the right products for now and they don't have the products to pick up that slack waiting in the wings yeah. to come out in the next six months i mean okay they're going to have the evoke come out the second generation evoke which will help them and allegedly the defender who knows? Maybe they want to longer carry on. gestation period than the than the African elephant or the Toyota Supra. Yes, I mean maybe maybe it'd be thirty nineteen that we get to see that. <laughs> so who knows? And it was interesting to hear one of the things that Speth said in the call was that he feels that come twenty 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 one, whenever the EU looks again at uh, fuel consumption and emissions and all that that saloons will come back into fashion because suvs will mm-hmm. never just get down to that um yeah it won't get down yeah. to that level however i think it was it was uh simon uh of fleet fleet world mm-hmm. he mentioned well they'll just adjust it accordingly the the base figure will be adjusted accordingly to how people how their lineups are adjusted so it won't cause a massive advantage for one type of car over another because it's going to be a fleet the the company's models average isn't it yeah so, you would think so I, we'll, i'm we'll... not sure and everyone's going towards electrification anyway so I, I don't know enough about that topic but it just seemed an odd statement to say not that i'm trying to veer into boris johnson territory of Saying that Speth doesn't know what he's talking you mean, about. Ralph Speth's statement was yes, odd as sorry, opposed Ralph. to Simon Harris's. Yeah, yeah. No, not, not Simon yeah. Harris's. No, no, no. His I, I understood what he was saying. It, but, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yes. Well, well let, let's just see, because um yeah, let, let let's just see. But at, at the minute there are there are gonna be those cutbacks. I mean, whether people are actually cut or they end up being subcontractors and all these kind of things, that's what happens in many transformation programs. Um Yes, I remember so, being in the NHS when forty we'll percent of management had to go. It was interesting being on the inside and seeing how that happened. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen before. Um, yeah, so let's 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 see what happens there. But but that's the situation. Um, and yeah, I, I I I hope anyone whose whose job is cut is uh, you know they they find reemployment pretty soon and pretty successfully. Yes, good luck to everybody there. Mm-hmm. But uh, more restructuring, redesigning, changing because of market conditions and everything, and that is that Ford's European business is um, going to be put under the microscope and really shaken up. Uh, so this is Ford making moves in Europe again. How many? What's that? The third time since two thousand, something like that. I Something like that. I it gets it. They they rejiggle quite often. They're one of these companies that do seems to be perpetually restructuring. You find that some are like that. Yeah, but this is all going to be part of a fourteen billion pound global cost cutting program, which isn't peanuts. Um, <laughs> so, 
Yes, well, I, I like to make these things clear for everyone. You know that. We're, we're here to help people through these things. Uh, but what, what it's going to mean is that they are going to pair... They've, they've made the bold statement of saying they're going to pare down their model offerings and it's only going to be models that are viable and profitable and something that in sectors they should be in, that they feel they should be in. So we won't have an option for every single thing out there anymore from Ford, which I think is a wise decision, personally. Yeah, I I would imagine that the Mondeo is going to be an early casualty in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... Uh, but what has been mentioned is the C-Max is going because the sales have slowed down on that. But look at the sales. Look at the sales of the... Um, oh, I've forgotten its name. The Cougar, mm. which the first generation Cougar, they said there's still practically none. Yeah. Or at least you never saw them, and now they're blowing everywhere. And the Edge can't be doing too badly. I see quite a lot of those around. I mean, I know I'm in a town with a Ford, a smallish town with a Ford place, but I see quite a few of the Edge. But also what's going to happen, which made me sort of get a little bit nervous because I think we've been down this route before, but um, they're going to import more American Ford-built products. Well, the Mustang, yes. what has been successful is the Mustang. Yeah, The Mustang has done well, and that is an American-built vehicle. But they're talking about bringing – well, it says here the uh, the Edge is already built in, in America. But they're talking about bringing Ex- Canada, Explorer – and also the Mac One SUV, which is supposed to be Mustang inspired, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist yet. No. So, so uh, we'll let's see if that works for them. That less is more. Put put it this way: any new Explorer they bring across can only be more uh, competitive and reasonable than the last time they brought the, the Explorer across. Yes, choose your tires wisely, ladies and friends gents. of my. Well, that was an even older version, uh, even older generation. Friends of my parents had an Explorer, and it was a horrible, horrible thing. Well, yeah, I mean, if it if it's got European driving characteristics, then it should do well because you know this, particularly in this country, we're we're a bit mad for a large SUV, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So, so there we go. So, uh, the one of the outcomes of this uh, has been mooted that Bridgend may well lose some jobs uh, that's what one of the unions have come out and i think looking at this article that's on the bbc news website i get the feeling that the unions are getting their retaliation in first as it were mm-hmm. in trying to control the narrative because i don't think they've got as far as saying these are the jobs that are definitely going to go well further down as part of that story one of the members of the one of the gmb organizers um, has said we have now been told 990 jobs will be cut in Bridgen by 2020. But then again, we talked about that when JLR announced they were going to clo- they were going to end their engine deal early. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I am not massively surprised because there hasn't been a replacement for the Bridgen plant engine wise. No, well they have. They've got the latest petrol engine, the Dragon. Mm. Um, so that's going to be built there. So it will still employ about 500 people, but the the JLR the JLR contract finishing by the end of this year is is at at the same time as the EcoBoost engine ends mm. is probably where the the issue is. There. Yep, yep. Anyway, well, uh, as with the JLR, good luck to everybody involved. Okay, Alan, uh, as you are our 
foreign traveling correspondent, I think you've got this next article. Yeah, um, I'm I'm sorry on this evening of all evenings and this day of all days, whenever you're listening, uh, to bring up the the dreaded B word, uh, but uh, if it happens this way and there are no deals and no agreements please be aware everyone that uh we will if we want to drive in other countries uh, if sorry if uk nationals uk driving license holders wish to drive in other countries we will need an international driving permit that's europe yeah it's europe plus all the other countries that it would be needed anyway Mm. So it says so in the guidance from the government, uh, which will be linked naturally in the show notes, which is that if there is a no EU exit deal, we may need one to drive in. If there's no EU exit deal or, or relevant re- agreement, you may need uh, international driving permit to drive in Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Croatia, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Italy. Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, or Sweden, as well as Cyprus, Iceland, Ireland, Malta, and Spain. I'm guessing... And Liechtenstein as well. I am I am guessing that there will be no car launches in April or May. No, I don't think that that's true. I disagree with you entirely on that. Um what will is happening is right at the minute there's only 89 post offices where you can get an international driving permit it costs five pounds 50 alternatively you can get it by mail order from the a and the rac however from the first of february in what looks like a piece of forward planning you'll be able to get an over-the-counter from two and a half thousand uk post offices there are three different flavors it seems there's a 1926 a 1949 and a 1968 international driving permit each one will cost you £5.50. And you'll be able to get them over the counter from 2,500 UK post offices from the 1st of February. So worth bearing in mind to spend 1650 on three driving Good. permits. God, they are. Yes, you need to read that. If you drive abroad, anywhere abroad, you need to read this. <laughs> well... You really should have have one anyway. The nineteen sixty eight one's less important, but certainly the, the the others are are important. Particularly the I'm just trying the, the no nineteen sixty eight ones. There you go. Uh, the the sixty eight's quite important. The forty nine's pretty important. Yeah. If you're not sure, Actually, just get the rule. It's the twenty six that you is these. Because the twenty, you may need the twenty-six for Mexico or Somalia. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to be driving either of those soon. Should to drive your pickups in Somalia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would be, I would be running to get my nineteen sixty-eight and my nineteen forty-nine. To be honest, uh, but I'll be doing that on the second of February, possibly. Yeah. So yep. just that public public service announcement there, folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now now we've mentioned it properly. We only hinted at it before, but uh, Honda has announced that they plan a six day shutdown uh, post Brexit in April, um, which for the Swindon factory, which I would imagine is them bringing forward the annual shutdown or how often they do it. One of the shutdowns in a year anyway to allow them to do maintenance and and maybe install some new plant or machinery or whatever 
that would typically happen in a factory anyway. But this is this is being mentioned specifically to allow them to, and I'm quoting from the BBC News article here, adjust to all possible outcomes caused by logistics and border issues. Yeah, we haven't really talked about the the pretend traffic jam that was meant to happen on an airfield uh, in Kenya. If everything gets completely and totally messed up and customs just stops working, then this is to allow for that to... Um, this is this is to to allow for that to 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 happen and to clear uh, and and hopefully mean that they that, that that stuff can continue afterwards. It's to find out what the heck's actually going to happen. But you've always got several just lying about yeah. not not earning any money because you've got you you don't need to make money. I mean the margins aren't tiny in any way while doing haulage. I mean no, they're being no. pushed down year on year while fuel Absolutely. fuel prices and insurance goes up and the consumer at the end expecting things cheaper and cheaper. I mean why you you're just sitting there in gold thrones if you run a haulage firm surely. Something like that, yes. <laughs> Whether there is a pulse is a different matter. Uh <laughs> news from today is that Ford and Volkswagen have confirmed uh, at the Detroit Auto Show in in the the, the big old US of A. Uh, have confirmed the first details of their global alliance, um, which they end up, well, they're intending on starting with commercial vehicles, uh, but they may expand the alliance to include electric and autonomous vehicles. So the next Volkswagen uh, LT, for example, vans um, and transporters may be based on Ford's transit platform instead of sharing them with uh, Mercedes-Benz and the Sprinter platform. Uh, and then the pickup trucks, the Amarok, rather than being standalone, uh, may well uh, share uh, share its underneath with the Ford Ranger or similar. So they're almost identical in size already. So. They are. <laughs> they certainly feel that way if they go past you. <laughs> they, well, they are. Yeah, they're, they're two. Of the, they're definitely two of the, the the bigger the bigger entrants into that marketplace. Uh, difference being, so the consultants can feel very special as they step out. It's very true. I mean, the, the range is not so, not so much, but the Amarok Amarok is the the, the pickup truck of dentists in my mind. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, not that much, that many. It's not that much information out about it yet, but that I don't know. That puts into an interesting perspective any thoughts that that Volkswagen would buy into Daimler uh, and Mercedes Benz, which some people were. Which was muttered about certainly a few weeks ago, pre-Christmas, um, because you know people are worried about. Um, well, Geely's going to buy them. And about going, Geely buying them up, yeah, they don't want that panic attacks over in Germany. <laughs> yeah, they basically they would rather that um, they would rather the Daimler and, and Volkswagen became became buddies than than the Chinese uh, essentially s- snapped up the what. The jewel in the the uh, German automotive crown. So, mm. yeah, yeah. The the announcement from Ford and VW was very clever. That they said some words, but not much. And what the, all the uh, all they're really doing at this moment is going to build some light commercial vehicles. Yeah, together, yeah. and that's that's it. But if we follow the thought that there are way too many individual car manufacturers out there at the moment and there's only going to end up with being something I've heard something was it about four or five we'll end up with? Tesla and everyone else. 
No, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about utopia. I'm t- <laughs> as we all have our own private rocket to go off to our yeah. holiday home on Mars. Yes. Um, no, I wasn't discussing that. But that we'll have four or five giant conglomerations. That's what we'll be left with, and this this could be the first steps towards that really happening. More because you look at the. Rebel Alliance is going to splinter. I, I hear you. One of the things that's pointed out in this Autocar article by James Atwood, though, uh, is that it will not involve any cross-ownership between the two firms. So it will not, not be yet, in the start. No. Well, not yet. At the moment, it is not foreseen that there will be any cross-ownership between the two firms, unlike uh, Nissan and Renault, where that was the immediate action. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of let's placate some shareholders here as yeah. well because well, they've had to to be fair to them they've had to work, carefully word it that neither one side nor the other looks more powerful and they don't scare the shareholders yeah and it's actually something possibly a bit meaningful yeah <laughs> so it's to be so as much as i've mocked how little there is in this that i think they've done a fairly good job of that it will be a cornerstone for their drive to improve competitiveness bless Yes, and it will give them enough, give the opportunity to collaborate on shaping the next era of mobility. I'm so glad there were no buzzwords used here. Oh yeah, that that one I did um, flinch. That's one way of putting it. Yes, bath being another one. Yeah. Right, come on, last one before guilt. Right, this this article made me double check that it wasn't in fact April the first because for the first time in my living memory. Um, which isn't that long, actually, to be fair. But uh, the Advertising Standards Agency has dismissed a complaint against a car advert. Yes. There was two complaints that the Mitsubishi Outlander Fev advert made it out that the electrical elements were more prominent than they possibly are and that somebody, a potential owner or potential purchaser, could get confused and think that the uh, the FEV was driven mainly by electricity and not, in fact, the petrol engine. But um, the ASA has turned around and gone, no, that is not the case. We do not see that that is that it has been misleading or exaggeration or anything like that. So uh, off you go, Mitsubishi. Keep releasing that ad, which is a relief, stunning. Yes, it's it's very unusual. Uh, and probably a bit of a relief to Mitsubishi as well, but uh, yeah, well, there we go. Yes, yes. As I as I promised, that was the last one before Guilt Minute, and by process of elimination, that means we have begun Guilt Minute. Uh, it's that point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider uh, what the motoring podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click the orange "Become a Patron" button on the front page. If you're already a patron, then thank you so very much. We really do appreciate um, the the amount that you give us uh, every month. Of course, we understand that not everyone uh, can uh, afford to do that, is in a position to do that. Uh, so don't please, or please don't even uh, forget to like, rate, leave feedback via the podcast playing platform of your choice. We understand many of you do that. It's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you. Yes, thank you, everybody. Formula E. Yes, Formula E. I didn't, 
I, I confess I, I didn't see the whole race and I haven't had time to watch the whole race, which is available on YouTube uh, if this whets your appetite. But there is a very good uh, little highlights package in there as well. But it was it was one of those Formula E races where you wonder if really you should have been watching touring cars. <laughs> because it was action-packed right from the very first corner. Yes, sometimes with people who weren't in the same team. Oh, gee, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, just it, There was a lot of everything you, sh- everything you shouldn't do in, um, in a race, to be honest. And it started with uh, was it, uh, someone cutting down the inside of Jean-Éric Verne, who was right up at the front, uh, and spinning him at the first corner, and how basically everyone else avoided him, I just don't know. Yeah, because uh, Marrakesh is not like most Formula E uh, uh, Formula E tracks. They're not known for their overabundance of space, wide open spaces, and runoff. You mean? Yes. Yeah, it, it, they are not Tilkadromes. Put it that way. Um, the so yeah, so then everyone managed to avoid him, thankfully, because there was a bit of a runoff area, uh, and it, it kept on going like that. I mean, fairly climbed back up the back up from last um mm. finished quite far up if i remember rightly i've now lost where he finished anyway it was relatively far up uh but then towards the end uh just we're getting along the two bmws basically took each other out absolutely what you shouldn't have done and just well they didn't quite take each other out sims and, and De, well, De Costa, the, it was the, pretty much well, the cost ended up in the barriers can... They they were they were leading, and then because of their indiscretion, mm-hmm. <laughs> it meant the safety car came out and Sims was fourth. Yes, <laughs> the... well that was the answer. So... I mean, Sam Bird had started off at the very top hmm. and had started. You know, and well, I don't know if he's I don't know if he started first in the grid, but he was definitely leading for quite a long time, and there was quite a lot of changes of, of position up in the, the top in the top part. But the outcome of all of that was that uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio of Mahindra won, and then the two Virgin Audis yep. of Robin Freen and Sandberg came in at second and third. But again, really good, really good tight racing right the way through. Yeah. How was the... Because I, I haven't had a chance to see this at all, because I was busy being a man with a paintbrush in his hand all weekend. Sometimes I had paint on it as well. Mm. How was the attack mode this time had people adjusted a bit more or did did the safety car really mess that up no it seemed to be used more from what i saw because I, I i haven't seen the whole race andrew so it's it's, it's mm. i can't yeah, yeah. answer the bits you saw, yeah. properly but from the bits that i i have seen in in the highlights and the catch-up bits then it was it was better positioned as well because it was sort of on the outside of a quite fast corner so people uh, could okay. use it to kind of slingshot oh, okay. yeah, a yeah. bit rather than being just after a corner and then hidden, which I think was possibly mm. the problem in, in uh, Riyadh. So it was it was. But that is part of the joy of attack mode. We have to remember that they're not telling them until an hour beforehand no. where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So they it's going to cause teams to have to be more adaptable mm-hmm. and to have have several or many scenarios in line ready to go depending on what happens yeah. 
So this 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 adds an extra layer of complexity into their planning. And I know that some people don't like that, but I think it's kind of interesting. But if if it's making them think, I think I I like the idea of that that it's 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 uh, an almost random element without being yeah. dangerous, but it's bringing in a, a, an almost random element that can shake it up. And if so, it's 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 looking like what I'm trying to say is. That if you if you get the whole package right, that if your driver is on point, that your engineers are working well, and your car is working well, and you have your uh, strategy sorted out, that as together as a team, that car will do well. Yeah, but it's 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 there so that people aren't spending all the time between races, uh, basically running non-stop simulations. Yeah. It's so that it doesn't. It's not just sort of running something that they've run hundreds or thousands of times before within computers or within simulators. Yeah, and because there's, there's no pit stop now either, so there's that 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 element's been taken out. So they've swapped it out by having a pit. You know the the, the, the randomness by the attack mode. Mm. So yeah, so I can see why they've done it. Yeah, I it, I think it works. I know purists don't, but. Yeah, but many purists don't even like Formula E, so... Yeah, I know. I so, know. But there anyway. we go. Anyway, right, we have a lunchtime read for the first time in a little while, I think. And this one I came across on the website A Sound Effect. And why I stumbled across it is because it is... Yes, don't ask. Yeah. Don't ask. Just but the fact... That just be happy I found it. That's all that needs to be done. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but what it is is they've spoken to um, electronic musician and sound designer Richard Devine because he helped create the engine noise and the user interface sounds for the iPace. And I was very interested in this because uh, he goes on to discuss why he got involved, how he got involved in this project, and what you know what the outcomes were they were trying to. You know what was the, the the positive outcome they were trying to create from this? This is just an element that we've not thought about possibly before when it comes to cars. Particularly, I mean, definitely not with making a car that is silent make a noise. We've not done that, but we've not thought about the various types of people they get involved to bring a new car to market for us. So I thought it was interesting from that point of view to because it just opened my eyes that there was there's all these there's going to be all these people I don't know all these industries and consultants that I have no idea that get involved in cars that are actually there and this is one of these articles that I've stumbled across and gone actually that's fascinating that they've done that and I wanted to share that with everybody so, so that's what he's done. Go read it. <laughs> so it is really quite long. In fact, it's really very long. Gosh, it is long. So yeah, it, it'll be a good one. You should get you through at least a couple, uh, at least a pack of pret sandwiches, maybe halfway through your soup as well. It's not that bad. No, it isn't. It's it's good. It, what's interesting about this, I think, is not just that it's oh, we need we need a sound for an electric car, but it's we need a sound for an electric car that is electric car from a brand that is known for being quite whose vehicles are known for having a raw uh, a, 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 a roar of a Jaguar god how hackneyed is that um, but for having engine no I mean you think of an F-type 
Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and and the the almighty, mighty roar and pop uh, as as it it shifts up through the gears. Then you're trying to get some sort of digital equivalent. So especially in their first car, it's a great position to be in where you've got that completely. Uh, well, you're redefining them. It's it's it's. I mean, that was part of the thing I was trying to explore on rear view. Mm. Was the redefining? This is a completely brand new direction for them. So it was yeah. a it was you know, the cliche of a blank sheet of paper to start from, but it was. But how do you still make it enough Jaguarish mm-hmm. that that doesn't scare people off, but still go we we are embracing future technology yeah. and stuff. So there's, there's so many dimensions that need brought together. Do have a read of this and uh, and see how you get on because it should be. It's it's an interesting one. Yeah. You found quite an interesting list of the week. Well, it kind of got served up to me, really. That's it. Take a compliment. <laughs> I, I still flagged it and added it to the trail. <laughs> I know. I know. You see, I missed it. I just wasn't expecting it. <laughs> that That's what happened there. So Jason Torchinsky wrote a, an article on Jalopnik, uh, which was published last week. Something like that. Yes. And I looked at it, and it's titled, These Are the Only Cars Every Gearhead Likes. And I went into this hugely skeptical. Well, I had my arms folded. I was peering down my nose with skepticism on my shoulder as I read this, I have to admit. I think we thought of one exception, didn't we? Yeah, let's go go through go through the list first. Yeah, let, I'm actually going to read out the whole list because it is only about six long. Uh, but there's also quite an interesting, you know, the thinking behind it is explained first. So, for example, there's no Mustang on there because Chevy Camaro aficionados will say, "Oh, you can't have a Mustang." Yeah, we've got to remember the premise. The premise is these are the only cars every gearhead likes. Yeah, and it's and let me run through them then. So they're saying the BMW 2002. So you remember from the 1970s, uh, it ended up with a 2002 Turbo as well in there and the TII as well. Uh, But it's old enough and classic enough and classy enough that even people who don't like modern BMWs like it. It's it's before BMW got that particular reputation that it has in some quarters. Became too mainstream. Mm, oh, absolutely, before they became too mainstream, absolutely. Second one is the Volvo 122 Amazon. Mm. So you know the one with the kind of two girl bits at the front, the sort of pointy nose, a little bit like a Morris Minor. Got one uh, on the bonnet. The bonnet, have you? Well, yes. they, they go forever and ever and well, ever. Yeah. Um, and they, again, you know, they're, yeah. It, it's not a dislikable car. It, it's one of these things it is there uh number three the willis jeep the original willis jeep um i've been in one of these and they're absolutely brilliant um it's not a land rover but for some reason i think that that actually makes it better on this premise on here yes Uh, we in in this country we still appreciate it whereas if it said as say like a series one or series two you'd find people that just went no but with the Willis Jeep, we all go, yeah, fair dues. Fourth, the original BMC Izzy Gonis design mini. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Tarp. 
had one, loved it. I love the line here. I bet even the most insecure grease monkey bro thinks that they're at least a little adorable in a bulldog puppy kind of way. <laughs> I I I learned to drive one. My mom had one. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. I love them. So next up, the Honda Oracura NSX. Yeah, it's there. I mean, who doesn't at least slightly appreciate the original NSX? Because that's interesting. Because that's the the one supercar that everyone it, it, again it fits the premise perfectly which is why it's there andrew yes i know that but if but it Duh. but if you'd said a porsche you'd have people going no or if you said a ferrari yeah. equally you'd have had people saying no so Absolutely this is not, this I'm, is yeah. the neutral sounds like it's dull and i don't mean it to be that but it's it, it doesn't fit into it, it has it has absolutely ability of its own and is acknowledged as having ability of its own without sitting in any of the established camps. Hmm. How does that sound? I think the only thing that right? could have replaced that possibly is the McLaren F1. Yeah, I, I agree. I had thought of an alternative just there and it skipped my mind. That My alternative was the potential, potential of the Ferrari Daytona. Was a potential. You're going to have people who just don't like Ferrari. Still got the Ferrariness, though. Yeah. So. Anyway, so again, I I couldn't argue with it. And the last one is the first generation Volkswagen Golf GTI. Absolutely. Golf GTI Mark One. Just for the simple fun. Now, the thing was that having gone to this skeptically, looking at it out the corner of my eye, I can't really argue with that. At all? No, I was very disappointed. I I could find no fault. It was like, darn, he's he's nailed. I could maybe add a couple, but I I couldn't take yeah. away. It's like, darn, he's really nailed something difficult here. There was one that we thought of. Can you remember what it was? The Alpha Sud. Oh, Alpha Sud. Yeah, it was Andrew that thought of it. I said we. Is possibly the only. Oh, I mean, apart from what I just said there, the McLaren F1 that only came to me with the NSX, mm. but the Alpha Sud is possibly. Another car that we all go, yeah, we like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than that, can you think of... I mean, some people disagreeing about the Golfs and the and the Acura in the, in the comments, but, you know, comments on the internet, so... Well, yeah, so we don't look at those. <laughs> it's... I, I think that's a cracking list, to be fair. Remembering the premise, like I said, it's not our typical list. It's not like a... This is the best front wheel drive with the to be driven in Britain on this road on this day on the, type yeah. list that we make, or or even worse, the the worst cars for this thing. Uh, it, it doesn't involve an Allegro. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the lazy the 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 worst lists are always 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 awful. I don't even open worst lists. It's why we don't no, ever include don't them as list of the week. No. Uh, but I thought that was really clever and that was really well done. If you can think of any others out there, because these basically it's coming up with neutral cars that are still interesting. Yeah. So if you can think of any other cars out there that we would all say, oh yeah, okay, then do let us know. Contact details will be later on in the show. What about Citroen DS? Some people don't like them because they say they're ugly. Sorry, excuse me. 
I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't like the Session DS because they say it's ugly. <laughs> so yeah, I, you did hear me correctly. Yes. Oh dear. Uh, but they're uh, obviously wrong. Well, yes, I've done. I've done very well to be quite positive all night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right now, I'm, I'm going to have to move on from that to something happy again because you've just you've just made me go very sad. But this is our and finally, and. Top Gear magazine have been to Japan uh, with Rowan Horncastle. Sorry. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Rowan, if you ever hear this. Uh, I do apologise for murdering your name there. But Japan has gone Suzuki Jimny Mad, and there is a few photographs of how the Jimny has been customised already. It's the Tokyo Auto Salon, and essentially the Tokyo Motor Show right at the moment. Not only do they include all the normal manufacturers, uh, as you'd expect in Japan, especially the Japanese ones have massive stands. Um, but there's lots of tuna stuff as well. It's a bit like the, what's the Vegas show where they do the SEMA. Yeah. It's like thing. SEMA. It's like SEMA and the Detroit auto show lumped together but better. Uh, in Japan, but, but better. <laughs> I would love to go. I'd oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, uh, but that just goes with me and visiting Japan anyway. Yes, I'm I'm with you on that one. I've already been told by my youngest that we need to do a road trip. He, I was told we need to do a road trip to Japan, and then I showed him on Atlas where it was. I said perhaps we may fly there first, yeah, <laughs> and then it. try the road trip bit after. But we're going to need a lot of help. To be fair, mm. <laughs> I mean, I have what I'd like to do sketched out. I do actually have it written down. And if you haven't, by the way, I know. Sorry, we're going straight off off the end. Finally, if you haven't watched the two part Mighty Car mods, Temples and Turbos, or, or Turbos and Temples, uh, two, then which was released over Christmas and New Year, it's almost three hours. It's one two chunks of one and a half hours. It's absolutely brilliant. Do watch it, please. Because it's not help. It it's it doesn't help me, you know. Because yeah. But added to that, to be fair, Top Gear have done some good episodes from there. Because mm-hmm. there was the race of the GTR against the Bullet Train. That yeah. was that was a good show. Uh, that that's oh I can't remember. That's one of the early series. Uh, and also there was the episode uh, in the last series where they went to get the cars from the auction. Okay, they did butcher a couple of nice-ish looking cars. But forget that and just enjoy the fact that they're in Japan and the Japanese culture and more specifically what Rory Reed did in that episode. Oh, with apart, the Porsche. Apart from killing the Porsche. But yeah. what he the what he got to see mm. was just amazing. And I I have to put that on quite often with the youngest crack windscreen to watch that that episode so it makes an impression so i mean all, all the sort of three japan specials that they've done on mighty car mods we're way off suzuki jimny's here i'm sorry uh, uh, mighty car mods are really good so there's turbos and temples there's kai to the city as well with the little kai car and um which is the that's mira and the last one is, is it's actually super turbos and temples uh which is the one that, that came out in two parts over christmas and new year if if you're into funky Japanese stuff, watch those. Okay. And beautifully shot things and interesting people and road trip type stuff. Then and enthusiastic car people. Yes. 
But anyway, go and have a look through the many photographs, many gorgeous photographs of what people have done to chimneys, uh, the new chimney, uh, and I just want them all. I I want them all. No, I'm not so taken with the vertical arrow one at number 13, but I do love the car style racing one, uh, which looks an awful, starts to look an awful lot like a, a Pajero or Shogun Evolution at the end, <laughs> white with little... Ah, oh, it just looks cool. Love them. Yeah, let's go and have a look at that. That's that's the end, finally. Before we round up, a couple of things. Special edition on Friday. Yes. We're here. Uh, also, I finally got round to piecing together my GRMN update. Some of you, I, I'm never sure how facetious people are being when they say, we want more Yaris, but... So I've given it to you. You've got two and a half minutes uh, worth, which is which you can get at Motoring Podcast. At Motoring Podcast? Yeah, at motoringpodcast.com on there, and you'll see it. It's under the blog section, or it is right at the minute there on the homepage, because it's one of the last two posted. I'll also be publishing our response, finally publishing our response to the questionnaire from 2018. As, as a thank you to everybody and to show that we have listened and the bits that we are going to be able to take on board and make tweaks and adjustments with. And the bits where we disagree. Yes. But he's even put graphs in, folks. I'm sorry. And I, I know the, the main thing is that, yes, I can write. He can. It does happen occasionally. <laughs> Once every three uh, years. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's about the current rate. Other than show notes, he writes awesome show notes. Other thing is... After this comes out, before next week, I'm off to drive Toyota RAV4 uh, in Spain uh, from sort of tomorrow and Thursday. If there's anything that you want to know about it, do ping me on, on Twitter and I will make sure I, I look at it and include it. So curry hooks, space under the rear floor. How small are the rear windows? How small the rear windows are, any of Andrew's normal whinging. Can you get an inflatable watermelon in the boot? If only I had an inflatable watermelon. I we should have thought imagine. about this. I would have got it in the post to you because we've got oh, a spare I for you. Think. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll get it from you in a few weeks, but yeah. Um, and the other thing, we're going to be early next week. Yes. Yes. I actually wrote that down. Oh, you did. Good. And then forgot to say it. Um, uh, we we are going to be early next week. We'll be recording next Monday night because somebody is being an influencer. I've been allowed out the house. He has. He's been allowed to London, so he'll be absolutely raging by the evening. It's going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Not for anyone near me. <laughs> no, I know. It's great. I'll be in Switzerland. Uh, you can be as raging as you want. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it for this week. Lots and lots of stuff happening this month. Lots of bits and pieces. So we will try and share as much as we possibly can with you but don't forget between now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget about patreon and please please leave review and rating on apple podcast google podcast or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing it really does matter Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me would be via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people do want to get in touch with you about knowing what or asking for you to look into specific issues to do with the RAV4, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm not sure about issues, but just 
questions, uh, then Twitter uh, would be the best, where I'm at A-J-P Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back, as we say, next, next week, a day early. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.